0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Suggs Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Tops, and Panini. We're going to do a new format that I've never done this. I've done dueling questions, but this is a different kind. Of, this is going to be dueling answers, I think. That Brad Bethune, the uh, Texas card dude, is going to be asking some questions to a panel of Rich and myself, I don't think we're necessarily going to try to top each other because Rich and I think alike some of the time and differently some of the time. So, Brad, thank you for being here with Rich and me
1: and uh, hit us with some questions. One of the things that I'm known for is you do you, boo. You do you. So I have my catchphrase. What is y'all's catchphrase?
0: I had two catchphrases that aren't catchphrases, but there are ways I think. I used to think I'd bring order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a rallying cry for anybody but myself. And now I've evolved in this post-retirement to influence the influencers. So again, it's my rallying cry, but it's not really a slogan to inspire others as much as to
2: keep me on track. Rich, you got any I don't really have one, but I usually just tell people, do what you want to do. Focus, do like, yeah. figure it out. I'm not going to tell you what to do. What you do is what you do. But it, just as long as you enjoy what you're doing, I'm good with it. It's, it's a variation of "you do, you boo." Oh yes, I love it when people say that. Okay. And it's also a variation of "the people are the hobby." The oh. hobby are the people. and stolen from John Newman. Okay, uh, another one. Thanks, right. Brad. Was there a time
1: when you said in the hobby, "I'm out, I'm done, I'm through," and then the, just this month, number one, I don't even know if I should go first on this one. Well, Rich, why don't you go first because
0: you I know, think
2: I, you're going to say the same thing. That I've I'm never say. really been through with the hobby. But there was a time, especially after I left Beckett, I was more quiescent with the hobby. In other words, there was a time where Dina, my wife, and I, we figured it out. We were working seven jobs between us during the height of the recession at one point. We were doing whatever we needed to do. And she had bought some blaster boxes at whatever toy store that was going out of business for a dollar each. It took me eight months to actually get to do that, open them at one point. I wasn't real, and I had sold my cards when I got married, my inventory. I really took a while to rebuild up. So I was quiescent for about three years. So I never left. I followed. I read that 54. I was getting the Beckett magazines. I was following. But I, really, I go to the National, but I was looking for a job more at the National than I was doing buying and selling at the National. And enjoying National the hobby. And enjoying the hobby. So that was a different experience. I never left the hobby but it took me probably until 2010 to start buying Yeah, I,
0: I, I don't think I can. <laughs> like I said, I'm a lifer. As Rich said, you know, there are going to be times when you're deeper involvement or coasting along. But I have a small mountain of cards <laughs> that, that I can't walk away from. I'm trying to transact some of them. But no, I expect it to be a lifetime hobby. And I, I feel like I'm pacing myself enough that I plan to enjoy it every week. I don't know that I don't even want to take a week off.
1: Even after the health and all that you didn't ha- at all? No, but I, that was a
0: different kind of thing. Yeah, I was more of an executive then. That was that was not very involved in the hobby. But I, I'm now getting to touch the cards, Brad. So okay. okay. Now I can touch the cards. So in those days, I was reading reports about the cards or <laughs> reading magazines that we created about the cards.
2: A, a few years ago, when my mother-in-law had me drive, so I only got to go to the reception of our mutual friend Mark Harwell's funeral. I, I didn't get to see you; you had already left. Yeah. And I got to talk to uh, many of our former Becca teammates. And I forgot if it was Jane Ann Layden who was our HR person or Carol, who was your executive assistant, it comes to me. And this is like eight years ago. You still look the same. How do you look so young? And I said, the answer was I play with baseball cards. And the point was that they realized you're still doing what you love. And that's the point. If you still touch something, as Jim says, you never get tired of it. You, you may, one, one of the things I did one year when I was writing for sports collectors daily when I was doing Rich's ramblings is my wife had to do tests and basically I had to basically sit in my office all day. And I went through the 68 top set card by card on Com C. relearning about it, I was the first year I collected cards. I got to basically have a virtual tour through a 68 top set without having to touch a card. So I, I didn't have to worry about am I going to damage a $500 Nolan Ryan rookie or a $200 Johnny Bench rookie. I got to enjoy it without touching it. And, that, and there's a joy to that too. Touching the cards are more fun. But there's also fun to just, in that case, going back to when I was seven, eight years old, looking at cards for the first time, realizing what a fun journey it was.
0: Just mentioning that I'm realizing the tactile part of it is important to me. It's a very different visceral experience going through a box of 68 tops
1: as opposed to looking on eBay or Mm ComC at a bunch of 68 tops. Okay, next question. Okay, so how important... Is setting and tracking goals to you. not at all no, interesting not anymore. The goals I had to get the get the magazine out on time, you know, with accurate prices, something
0: we could be proud of. And I, I had a lifetime of deadlines in my prior life.
1: So nothing other than and high
0: standards. But now I'm giving myself permission to coast a little bit. Not downsizing or anything like. You know, I'm trying no goals to downsize, downsize, but I don't have goals to, I have goals that I'm. I'm being very graceful to allow myself
2: to slide. I'm trying to sell 1% of cards a month and I'm falling short of that. <laughs> and my current goal is we hired some new people to do ID at ComC. And my goal is to train them to make them, I don't want to say as good as I, I want to say better than I am, or I want them to at least learn what they're doing because if they do a good job, it also reflects that I am successfully transferring my knowledge to the next generation. So that's actually very exciting once. My manager, Charles Hodder, and I worked that out this week. It's, hey, I'm, I'm a never I want to do this. This is fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun going to be able to talk to somebody and say, I know that you didn't get all the training you should have on step number one. This is step number two. We're throwing away everything that happened before I started working with you. This is step number two, which is actually step mm-hmm. number one. And I think there's a joy in teaching. When Jim talks about influencing the influencers. There's a couple, we'll call them younger people who came to the first dinner that are new to the hobby, or they grew up in the hobby, but they're new to what they're doing, and they use their knowledge of new cards to buy old cards. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to chase a 53 common black and white Hal Beaven card. I'm fine with that. If, they, if the only 53 black and white they get is Casey Stengel, I'm fine with that. At least they want to have, and even if it's in a the slab, they want to have the older card. And I want as many of those people to work with as possible to train, to influence, to say, keep at it. I like what you're doing. Go buy cricket cards. Go buy your soccer cards. Go buy things that other people don't. You're forging your own path. And hey, as long as you're doing something interesting, I'll support you in any way I can. Good.
1: Okay. Okay. How important is networking in the hobby? Didn't used to be important at all. Because collecting was more
0: of a solitary thing. You'd go to a show once a month and you might talk on the phone or write a letter with all the social media and stuff. You have a way to connect with people. And then you have a desire to to connect in person with people that you know the basics about, that have similar interests. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important. Now, whether that's an organized battle plan for networking or it's just being a friendly person, I'll leave that to the personality of the person. But Rich, you're
2: I'll dis- way ahead of me on that. I I'll think. disagree. I always figured, especially when I was doing show trips for you and for the company, that my most important role was building relationships with the dealers and with collectors if they came up and talked. Because building relationships in those cases paid off because we couldn't be everywhere. We couldn't price everything. I needed the case breakers to tell me what's going on. I needed the influencers in the local area. Whenever I went to a show, I always looked for the area market maker. I'd ask somebody, if I knew somebody, who's the area market maker? And I'd actually introduce hmm. myself to them. So I wouldn't be a secret when it came to an area market maker. Maybe if it was a person that had one or two cards, I could be subtle. But if I looked at the table and the person had nothing but the hottest cards on the table, I want to talk to them. And I want them to tell me what's going on. I know our, my former manager, Jay Johnson, when says, you spend too much time on relationships. And, there was a, and I almost said to him, Jay, I'm not spending enough time on relationships. We're going to get the pricing right anyway most of the time. So 99% of the time, I'll live with the 1% we get wrong. Where? Well, you had Jay as a manager, but you had Pepper as a manager. Pepper, loved, Pepper wouldn't have said that. <laughs> Pepper would have been totally in your corner. Pepper loved it. One of my annual reviews said, Rich, I love you. You go out to dinner every show with a deal. This was true. So Rich Oliveri also was like that. Yeah. Dan was like, Rich, do whatever you want. Uh, but... Seriously, when I was at Beckett, it was very important for me to have relationships. Yes. Agreed.
1: Agreed. (laughs) Let's circle back with that as a follow-up. You answered it as somebody in the hobby. As someone who is a businessman back in the day, how important was that for you to network? More important than I realized.
0: Now I look back and I think so many of the nice things that have happened in my life happened through... A relationship. I just don't like it if people are too intentional about trying to be my friend. But if you naturally, organically find that you have something in common with something, and I think men are like that a lot. It was similar sports interest or something like that. So I look up after a few decades, and I've got a lot of nice friends. And it just happened that way. To have friends, you just have to be a friend. Yeah, You don't have to go way out of your way, but you just need to be... You know, tuned in that, that, that there's some other really nice people out there.
2: Jim, you were a member. Yeah. You hosted a lot of. We called it YPO, what was Young you know, pres- Presidents
0: Organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah. And I'm sure some of those people are still your friends today. It's, it's even grown. And how was the lifetime of learn? Did you know how much did you get? Because they were in different fields. How much learning did you get from talking to them about their issues, running companies?
0: Well, it was very helpful. There's a general networking, like being in the Rotary or something, where you're meeting a cross-section of people. I think that's been lost somewhat in America, and that's a shame. Mm-hmm. You really need to be around a cross-section of people with some diversity, with different races, different uh, religions, different ages, different uh, demographics, neighborhoods, socioeconomic status. That's important. But what Rich is mentioning is to have some friends and a network of people that have some similarity in that they're tracking in the same moccasins. Mm-hmm. They have a similar job that's a different kind of networking that is really valuable in a different way. You need to have a cross-section of friends, but if you've got a problem with the vice president in your company, you don't wanna to talk to somebody that's a vice president in another company that's gonna think like a vice president. If you're the president and they're the vice president, you need to talk to another president that says, hey, I had a problem like that and, and here's how I dealt with it, rightly or wrongly. So Rich, that was extremely valuable and that there were some dynamic elements of that because life is complicated.
2: And on a personal level about networking, when Bank of America outsourced my job in 2016, actually, the day I went to Mark's funeral, I was talking, I went to services that night. I was discussing to myself whether I should go for a walk in the mall or go to services. I went to services and one of my friends had gotten his job through a really good networking thing at the, uh, in the DFW area. So I started going to networking stuff down here. And, it was, and the ones I like going to were Tuesday and Friday mornings. And one of the suggestions made was Make sure you're posting something on social media at least once a week. One of the things I posted is if you really want to see me network and multitasking, come while I'm between jobs. Come see me at the show I'm hosting this weekend. One Tim Getch saw that on LinkedIn and says, Oh, you're available. And, Oh, okay, let's see if we can work a job out for you. And I'm still there nearly five years later. So I think that worked out pretty well. But that's networking is not just networking in the hobby, it's networking outside the hobby too. And sometimes you can have it with a hobby twist, other times you can have it where Hey, I'm just networking because Tex- for you, you're you just being friendly. Yeah. The Texas legends had a monthly networking you know, before COVID. They had a monthly networking lunch. I would go to it. It was just fun to sit with a different group of people each month, talk to them. And sometimes they were higher up and sometimes they were enthusiastic and sometimes like me in those situations, they were a little bit quieter, but it was always fun to hear what these people were talking They always brought a speaker in. The speaker was always very interesting.
1: Okay. So Powerball, 290 million, so it's about a 200, a little over 200 billion cash in the hand, cash in the hand after taxes. You win it, what do you do with it? I I already won
0: the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, I need to defer to Rich on that. That
1: would be life changing for
0: most people. I I don't know that it would change my life that much. Mm -hmm. Not that I have anything close to that, but I have enough. And I think that's it's hard as a man to say I've enough, but I've enough. I'm doing fine. But rich, that would be life changing That for would you. be very
2: life-changing. One of the things I would do is my synagogue is looking for either a new building to buy a, a building to buy and repurpose, or we have land. Right now we're having our town hall meeting of the money that's already put away for a new building, but it wouldn't be all two ninety million to say, here is five million, go get the building. And so I don't want to hear anything more about it, because I want to run a show again. You know, it would be a very
0: you know, <laughs> so it they they put in a really nice room for and the they, you know, really rich
2: Klein nice memorial show Hi. make sure we have a nice room to run the show the and rich I, fine wing and <laughs> the other thing I'd probably do is I probably just I tell I tell Dina look I don't want you working anymore I don't need you getting okay. up in the morning and let's enjoy, Let's have a trust fund let's okay. enjoy and I'm going to play with baseball cards and guess what I'm going to play with baseball cards and, and you know and, that, and that's it and that's so, uh, look out Nat Turner okay. you're going to have some competition <laughs> no I'm not you know, Tim, you're a little bit older than I am, but as I like to tell people, I'm 61 years old, and at this point in my life, the only thing I want to run is the Adachavarim Synagogue. No, I'm saying you're going to compete with him for the big cards. There you go. Man. Oh, true. Okay. Uh, no, Matt likes newer cards. I prefer old ones. Okay. Cars. Thanks,
0: Brad. Thanks, Rich. Enjoyed fielding those questions. So be back again tomorrow with another episode.